All right, we're on. Here we are. What's going on? I'm ready for another day. Oh boy! So this is uh, (laughs) this is late at night for me. I'm not usually awake at this at this wee hour of the morn. Um, Welcome to my world, Mike. I normally do the late night show. So I'm just going to try and stay together. Hopefully, I'm. It feels uh, so different. I'm so like happy to be here now. Okay, just slow, (laughs) just slow down, slow down now, because we know how you get. Hang on, haven't even had my coffee yet. (laughs) I am. (laughs) <laughs> worried <laughs> a little bit worried but um so i've just come back from the reason we try to do this slot is it seems to work well you've got a clear space there on your end and i've just come back from my community groups um so just had a little bit of christian fellowship and um just driving home and i thought you know just going on our conversation the other night um it'd be good to talk more about the christian life and mm-hmm. uh this is certainly a big part of it We've spoken about uh, a few other related issues. We've been talking about church unity uh, lately. So, you know, that's kind of related. One of the things, though, is just church life, church fellowship. And um, I feel like I've got a little bit to say about it. I feel like it would make an interesting discussion topic. I feel like people listening in on us might be able to resonate with some of the stuff we've gone through and the stuff, you know, just just trying to be real about it and yet find some good theological mm-hmm. sort of outworkings at the same time. What I have in mind is um, coming into Christianity, I was not a Christian, neither were you. We didn't really do church. Uh, we went, you know, for your, if anything, well, we kind of, I suppose, grew up in a kind of Christian-y environment in South Africa. So there was that. But when you actually got serious about Christianity, I'd, I'd never, I can honestly say I never experienced any of that prior to, you know, my first week of Christianity. It, w- it was always a very... You know, you go to a formal church service, you don't know anyone, you just walk in, walk out. So it was nothing like anything I experienced after I became a Christian, where all of a sudden I'm wanting to find out what the person's name is. I'm staying for like more than just the service um, and, and then actually getting to meet another Christian. You know, that all, all of that sort of started happening um, only after I became a Christian. And even the very scant... Um, I think it would be the same for you. I mean, we went for Christmas, Easter. I don't know, maybe a little, little, little longer. We than We went that. through a phase in our childhood where, <clears throat> yeah. So the the house we grew up in, you know, mom definitely, you know, had a a a Christian worldview. But I think the thing that she really came to understand after our conversion was, you know, the the grace of God and the gospel. Yeah. So yeah. I think there was a strong emphasis on the holiness of God, fear of God when we were growing up. Right. And it had some, it had some effect. Um, like it wasn't, I'm not saying we grew up in a Christian household or it was a consistent thing, but like, um, you know, for example, when we were hiding our drugs, mm-hmm. some of our friends were cutting holes in the Bible and stashing their weed in there. Yeah, and you had this weird and we kind just, of, don't cut the Bible, man. Just leave the Bible Like, yeah, just don't go there. Yeah. Like, hey, why, why did you need to do that? Yeah, you know? that's just weird. And I mean, some of our friends, our druggy friends, would go from acid tripping in the dunes to seances and we'd just be like, nope, don't want to go there. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so it, had, it did have that sort of uh, has, impact. Yeah. But generally speaking, like everybody was a Christian, nobody was a Christian. So when I became a Christian, I went to my non-Christian friends and I was like, hey, do you guys want to look into Christianity as well? And they're like, what do you mean? We are Christians. Yeah, yeah. But just the night before, they'd been, you know, consistently keeping up the habit of, you know, getting off of their faces 
Yeah. Uh, you know, slam, never been to church, never read their Bible, don't care about anything, but they are Christians. Yeah, so very similar for anyone listening from the States to Bible Belt areas of the States, except, you know, as I've yeah. come to know that that vibe, it's actually very different as well. So it's hard. Anyways, that's a whole other episode right there, the South African enigma. But um, yeah. the it, was I, it was new. It was new. It was new. So I, I remember coming into Christianity. I think the closest community I had experienced was, you know, the that, that, deep close friendship around that drug community that I had mm. sort of developed mm. over the years. And, you know, it's a real community. You are, um, you know, you're hanging out all the time. You're, uh, you get to know each other really, really well. You become really good buddies. Um, you know, you, there's honesty, there's an openness, there's a doing life together thing. So community yeah. is a real deal in the drug world. And, um, I remember coming into Christianity and, um, just being, uh, you know, I was, I was a classic case, um, textbook, charismatic born again guy, um, just, you know, just going for it and, um, and just loving every second. But I remember uh, my, my wife and I, I was managing a bar, a bar or at least, um, a nightclub at the time. And, um, uh, my wife was a bartender. We weren't married yet, but you know, so we weren't operating in any kind of church circles. And when we came to a very, very, very different culturally even though it was a charismatic church it was supposed to be contemporary but it was actually just like i don't know synth 80s or something like, and, yeah uh, exactly and when 80s, 80s was not 80s, cool yeah. <laughs> before the 80s was cool um so it was, <laughs> yeah. it was just kind of i don't know everyone was trying to be contemporary but it wasn't it was just not wearing a suit essentially it formed its own culture and um and you know we struggled we struggled with fitting in i suppose that was the first thing um uh, but we'd just press on because who cares anyway so i remember just i mean we would literally take our piercings out we'd literally you know dress differently we just you know try to just tone it down and fit in because there was something more important in view we wanted to experience this community but um and that's right i mean that, right. It, that yeah. is, it was a good it was a good if you if you see something so valuable in fellowship you know your own self-expression is secondary to that you yes know? Like yep. it's, no it, so that's it, fine if yeah. everyone does that, no Dude, problem. But you think you had it tough. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had it like Listen good. Listen to you complaining about how it's not like cool enough for you. <laughs> I went to a Presbyterian church. I was the only dude under 70. <laughs> Where about five of the congregation of 30 could actually sing. And they sang hymns that were so obscure that nobody knew how to sing them oh, to an man. organist who I think had actually died already, but was still managing to play the organ. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> so, like, I, um, it was, yeah. But again, the same thing. I was just very happy to be there. Like, yeah. didn't, the, if I look back on it now, the preaching wasn't great. Um, there wasn't, I had no peers, no contemporaries. There wasn't really much nurturing from uh, the elders, but just the sheer thing that I'm now gathering with other people who I know, Right, believe the same things I believe yeah. um, was just enough. So, that was enough. Yeah. Now, yeah, good point. So it was it, it was good to just. I mean, I think it, we did. It, that was a good thing. What was bad is just getting demons cast out to try and fit in. I mean, we. Yeah. That's a whole other story. De can a, can a Christian be possessed by a demon? No, they freaking cannot. But anyway, <laughs> we found Didn't out stop the hard you from way. Trying. <laughs> <laughs> I had to uh, watch my wife get exercised. Um, you know, and all her I piercings. That and, man. Anyway, I so. Remember that night. You know, it, it was we, a dark we, night. 
Yeah, it was a rough night. We tried to fit in charismatic stuff, right? So we, we were doing the whole thing. Now, uh, where I was going with all of that was that um, what, you know, I, I suppose I've always just been part of a church that's prized the midweek meeting along with the Sunday. Um, and so, um, and maybe that's just the flavor of the day, you know, and I'm thinking now not the traditional Bible study at church, but more someone's house, a community group. It was obviously uh, huge in, in the charismatic deal. And... Um, and so that's just been a staple. It's just been sort of working through that in various forms, and it's looked very differently. I remember one of the things that um, it, it, it came to, as things ebb and flowed, it started off great. You know, you'd, you'd sort of have that first love kind of connection with people and f- form your friends and whatnot, and, and even that was a, a challenge, actually. But then as you ebb and flow in the Christian life, go through ups and downs, go to a different sort of community group, uh, you know, different people come along, you, you find like the novelty wears off. Now you just got to actually legit have your fellowship in Christ, you know? Um, and and that I think has probably been the mainstay of how it's actually worked from that point on. And so I found that things I started to struggle with just well after I had ad- adopted to church culture were things like... Um, is just awkwardness you know you go you're like i don't know what to talk about you know or um you know i don't feel like it i'm dog tired i remember work, working as a manager of a restaurant and um i'd go to church uh to our meetings afterwards and i'd just be so tired i'd just be over it and you know it's 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 so far from that kind of first week of christianity vibe and um and then you know moving into new zealand planting a church it's been a great blessing to see a church plant develop a kind of community that's so close and yet it's been also i think probably one of the most difficult things for me in that you're dealing with a lot of hey how's it going new person awkwardness new community that really have nothing in common but jesus but here we are trying to just make it work and often it's not romantic it's not cool it's not sexy in any way it's just it's just hi how's it going oh man what are we going to talk about now and painful stretches of that and and i think a lot of people you know really uh, what i've seen pastorally is like you know the people that are committed to jesus and therefore committed to people are those that will eventually work it through and become really good friends and find a, a real expression of unity beyond the awkwardness beyond the church culture thing no matter what that looks like and the people that are ultimately there for another reason are um you know they grow disillusioned at some level because it's there's just if you're going for something else, you could probably find a better sense of immediate, you know, hype and psych around a hobby club, you know, um, even though, tech, you know, theoretically it shouldn't be that way. We all have Jesus, but do we really, you know, there's some that don't, there's some that do, there's some that are still trying it out. And it's, it makes a fragile environment sometimes. And uh, of course you got sometimes people that just openly don't, don't believe in Jesus. They're in that community too. They, uh, you know, for whatever reason, you got people that, you don't always have the well-balanced, socially adjusted people uh, that might go out and join a, join a hobby group or a community club somewhere, uh, the yachting club, uh, you know, which makes for excellent conversation because everyone wants to be there and make conversation anyway. You have the broken people at church. You have the, you know, people that are really just very shy, uh, along with the people that really just enjoy to hang out with other people naturally. You got introverts. You got extroverts. You got. Um, uh, people that are genuinely going through some really difficult times. You got people that are ecstatic. You, you know, so it's just a very, you're never going to find a blend like that anywhere else. 
And mm-hmm. it doesn't always make for the most immediate, hey, wow, awesome time. And yeah. I think the thing that kind of complicates that, uh, and this is where I wanted to go tonight, just in terms of uh, or today for you or whenever, where, wherever it is for you listening, um, uh, it's just that, that that juxtaposed against a, um, a this talk that we have, which comes from the Bible, about the glory of our fellowship. You know, mm-hmm. the... Mm-hmm. The awesomeness of our unity, the, the you know, just the excellence yeah, of it the all. The church is the outpost of the kingdom, and we talk it, and it, it we should. Yeah. It's right. It comes comes from the Bible, yeah. and yet when we go into it, sometimes, you know, we experience. I mean, I just came from a community group meeting that was really good. Okay, I really enjoyed it. it was super chilled, knew everyone really well, no sense of awkwardness. So you know, but I do remember coming many times coming back from a community group where it's just. You imagine taking all that sort of hype you put in your mind sometimes and then what you just experienced, you're like, I don't know, man. I'd rather just eat my arm off than go back there again, you know? And um, yeah, yeah. and why is that? How can that be? Is it that we've just stumbled into some false fellowship there? What's going on there, Andrew? Tell me. Well, I mean, you got stuff in the scriptures that talks about bearing with one another in love. <clears throat> mm. You know, and... Uh, there is no bearing with one another if it's all hunky dory all the time. You know, yeah. like if if it's all just like fist bumps and hey, it's awesome, it's going so well, and everyone's connecting, and mm. yeah, you know, like there's no there's no bearing. Nobody's bearing at that point. The bearing mm. comes at the times when it's like, what what on earth was that dude up to tonight? Or like, um, you mm. know, how come nobody bothered to turn up? Or you know, like the the bearing. Yeah comes from the difficulties or what did they mean when they said that and why were they so nasty and you know like um like it just seems like nobody cared tonight kind of thing you know those 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 are the times when you 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 come and you you think man that's bearing with one another in love Mm. so i think um the, the yeah the somebody somebody once came up to me after 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 church and it wasn't like it, they were having a go at me because I wasn't actually involved. But after church, I was just talking to one of the other other uh, Christians, and they were just saying, you know, sometimes I just I feel like there's so much more out there. Like a church could be so much more exciting, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I think that reading Horton and Ordinary yes. has been a real tonic against that kind of talk, Amen. where he's basically just saying, look, church should be boring sometimes. Right. But the boringness of church doesn't actually come about as a result of the anything that we any of the truths or realities we proclaim. Mm. It comes about as a result of our dullness and our sinfulness to to apprehend yes. what's what's going on. Yeah. So, you know, the the reality is, you know, when you have church, you don't just have one sinful person; you have multiple sinful people mm-hmm. all piled in together. Who very often don't have like at our last um, baptism class thing, we had a sixty-year-old forklift driver mm-hmm. and a twenty-four-year-old solicitor in the in in the same group. Yeah. You know, now, what does a twenty-four-year-old solicitor and a sixty-four-year-old forklift driver have in common? You I mean, know? they they have. Here's the thing: they yeah. have Jesus in common if they're both Christians, right? Yeah. Now again, I mean that they might have made a credible profession or not. You know, there is yeah. that that possible dynamic um, because certainly both come to church. You know, uh, both of those groups. 
uh, within the category of those that have made a, a, a credible profession. Um, you know, who knows if that was in fact credible, you know, there's just no way to tell that's only God knows. And you have those two groups as well. Um, then let's just narrow it down to those who only have made a credible profession and are indeed Christians. Uh, you know, then you have the way in which Christ, at what point of Christianity are they, you know? Um, yeah. and how much, how much, how much has it started to influence their personality, so to speak? I mean, yeah. someone someone who's been walking as a Christian, you can tell that guy that has loved Jesus, uh, who's 80 years old yeah. and is just yeah. one sanctified dude, versus the guy who honestly is, uh, you know, giving carnal Christianity a, a run for its money, you know? Uh, <laughs> just sort of just testing that theory to the limits, you know? Yeah, and, the, guy, uh, the guy who comes to the, the church picnic, you know, with two six packs of beers and has every intention of getting through the mall. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, and, and just then you've got the, the fact that, you know, when you get become a Christian, God doesn't press the reset button on, on your brain no. and you don't have this no. monolithic sort of attitude. You got radically different attitudes that even if they're at the same point in their journey, so to speak, uh, that it still might yeah. look very, very different and very different personalities uh, that get affected. Um, and then... You know, there's just the ability that one has to actually make conversation around the thing that you love. You get some people, I've, you know, I've seen this over and over again. I'm constantly being, I suppose, just being a talker. I, you know, that's what I do. It's what I just, it's coming out of me all the time. I can't imagine a life where, where, where that's not happening. So if I'm excited about it, everybody knows about it, man. I'm just not one of the strong and silent types, you know, just everyone yeah. must know yeah. what I'm going through. If I'm, if I'm suffering, I'm a drama queen. Everyone is getting in on that suffering. They're all praying for <laughs> yeah. me. You, you know, will weep with me who weeps. <laughs> they're holding my hand. I, I need the support. You know, if I'm feeling yeah. angry, like I'm letting everyone know, like everyone's just always in my world, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, you know, concerts, I meet people and they're going through profound joy, like the most amazing yeah. joy. And they will yeah. not yeah. say one word about it, you know? And that's just not because it's not sin. Yeah. It's just yeah. who they are. You know, they're just super quiet, super shy, super reserved. They, they can yeah. find it. That's fine for them to just express it in other ways or uh, feel it without expressing it in a, in a verbal sort of way with the stranger. <laughs> you know? And so you, uh, you, I mean, you got that kind of radical difference in terms of personality type. You got someone who's going through pain. They won't say anything, but it'll affect their personality. So anyways, you got all these dynamics that, that are just going to be there in every Christian gathering at some level. And um, and so you have to factor that in. And it, it does not discount the reality of yeah. your yeah. your having something in common with another believer in um, in greater measure than you could ever have anything else in common with any anyone. But that doesn't automatically mean that everyone gets to talk about it in the same way with the same ease at the same point, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. you've yeah. got things that are that are working there as well. Yeah. I think also like um, things that don't help, <clears throat> you know, when you, you, you take in the, into account the mixture, if you're not going for like the homogenous unit principle where yeah. you're just all going for like young adults, which we shouldn't be doing, where a church should not be an homogenous. Have you yeah. heard people say homogenous? I've heard that and I've always thought, why do they say it wrong? Why do they say it that way? I mean, I, I haven't Googled yet, but... Um... I'm, I'm going I'm, with the I'm sticking with the modulus. I can't change it now. I just hope you haven't got it from me. No, no, no. No, okay. no, no. It's, it's the standard. Is that a British it's thing? The stand, it's the standard British way of saying it. Uh, that's enough for me right there. 
Um, the look, the only context in which I've ever heard homogenous, yeah, uh, has been in a church context where uh-huh. we talk about the homogenous unit. <laughs> <laughs> it's good enough for me. That's all so I like, ever. Need. I've never heard. Anyway, it's like my daughter was asking me, "Daddy, um, her word for the week at school was abundant," and I'm like. I can't think of a context to use that word outside of God's abundant love. <laughs> like, like I've never heard the, the word used in anything outside of a, a third day song, you know? Um, right. So, the, uh, so, what, so added to the, the complication of, of like you just got very different people at church, which is part of its glory because um, – you got every tribe and tongue, yeah. every nation, every culture, every right. people all gathered together. And local churches do reflect that insofar as their area reflects that. So obviously you can't expect someone, you know, in uh, on the, you know, rural England to reflect the same sort of cosmopolitan nature as London. But, yeah. um, you know, generally speaking, churches should reflect the diversity of, of the gospel in some way, whether it's through ages or through ethnicities or whatever. Yeah. And that adds complications. And then, like you say, you've got spiritual maturity that adds complications that mm-hmm. makes it more difficult. Um, but then in addition to that, uh, there are things kind of a part of Christian culture that also make things difficult. So you've got, you've got various Christian traditions and... Uh, I want to say like, like um, they are traditions. They're just like um, different kind of ethics or ways of doing things, things that are appropriate ways of speaking and dressing mm-hmm. that some Christians feel are appropriate and aren't. And so um, there's the kind of tension where you know that some Christians are trying to basically make you middle class mm. because they associate Christi- Christianity or, or, or true Christian behavior with being middle class. Right. right. So, right. um and it's a big thing in the UK talking mm. about how to break that because mm. most of the evangelical churches are in middle class areas mm. because you know the you know it's not it's going to be very awkward for people in different sort of socioeconomic backgrounds right. or different cultures to the culture yeah to join yeah. them with that yeah um, so you get you got you got those sorts of awkwardnesses as well <clears throat> and I think that part of the problem and and what makes these things all the more profound is that actually when, you know, when we go to church, the, we, we're not very good at keeping the conversation to the things that we are united on. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, like in other words, small talk can be painful at churches precisely because of that diversity. Yeah. But, yeah, you or know. It can be all that you have. You've got the, the periphery yeah. small talk thing. Which, you know, everyone, yeah. the whole idea with small talk is that it kind of works across the board. That's why it works. You know, you're like, hey, what's going yeah. on? Well, yeah. it's hot today. Oh, totally. Very hot. Um, no, no, it's cold. Oh, wait. Yes, it might be cold. Okay, that gets you, that gets yeah. you like, what, a minute. And everyone can relate to that, whether you're a truck driver or a university professor. And, um, and they can have that conversation. But then you're supposed to go from that into something that yeah. you know, is slightly more deep. And then if you're going to talk about either truck driving or, you know, uh, nuclear physics, um, then um, yeah. you're going to be in trouble because that's when you know you're going to you're not going to feel anything. <laughs> you're going to feel that separation, um, and yeah, I agree. That's where you need to almost be encouraged to carve out that thing. You know, just jump over those things that that we, perhaps you might want to normally go into when you're talking to your other truck driver or university professor. Um, 
friends i really that's a very lame sort of yeah no but, example, it's, it's, but yeah. don't try and force don't try and force the commonality like you yeah, know if you're yeah. if you've got nothing in common outside of the gospel with the person you're talking to like you know time in time you know you will develop a relationship with that person anyway yeah but don't try and don't try and like force it just go to the thing you know you both are interested in but we for some reason, we're so slow to do that. So yeah. we talk about the weather. We ask, "Oh, how, how are you?" Yeah, you get a kind of generic, you know, interaction there. But like, what you learn when you when you start learning a language, you know, and you get to the basic greeting and the "How are you?" and yeah. the, and then you you don't know any more about that language. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, Ooh. <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> and then that's it. That's it. And then uh, you got you got <clears throat> you got nothing else. Yeah. I, and I think that actually, why don't Christians? We need to be better at like talking about the sermon. Yeah, yeah. Talking about a struggle you're going through in the gospel, asking for someone to help you pray. You know, um, it's it's interesting because um, I think this is where you know, at one level, it's like you want to be just realistic about those basic sort of yeah, expectations, I suppose, and just uh, keep these complexities in mind. But but yeah, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be encouraged to try and work at it, you know. And and years where we were in the zone, you know, how can you how can you improve that? You know, how can you accelerate that experience? Because at one level, this is the good news. In fact, we say this all the time. The way you know, years what you're what you're committing to as a member when you when you join, you're committing to awkward uh, Sunday after awkward Sunday until someday it stops being awkward at a very genuine level because you've been awkward yeah. together so many times, you know, but you're committing to that other person to be awkward with them, you know, and as they're committing and to be awkward And you know that that you. point will come, whether it's in glory or whether it's in this life now, that point will come. And yeah. often it comes after a few Sundays, you know, after a few Sundays yeah, totally. of just being yeah. super yeah. awkward together. I mean, this is how it works anyway. Um, you know, just there's something about that experience on its own, right, that just that you share that, that, that then moves you into the next zone. You know, you just sort of, you've done the worst part together in some sense. And uh, and it just, you know, it, it facilitates a, a, a truly deep friendship at the end. It's not a fake, um, you know, I think people probably experience when they go to work, you know, that maybe it gets uh, at, a, at a much more rapid pace. Uh, you go, you meet new work colleagues, you know, you don't know them. You basically got a framework in which to converse. It gets awkward, uh, you know, but it's very soon because it's day after day. You're in that place where through that dull awkwardness, you know, you're in a good space. The thing about that, though, is that you don't have their commitment towards you. You don't have a commitment towards them. Uh, what, what makes church so awesome, even though it's slower and yeah. that you might only get to see them once or twice a week, and not get that accelerated sort of um, connected uh, experience. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of, of a marriage, I suppose a church covenant and that sort of thing uh, plays into that. But but in the sense that when you're married, um, th- there's a freedom in that. It's 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 you know think about dating versus marriage. You know, it, there's this constant on the edge when you're dating. Um, it could go either way and you know whether i'm thinking now of pagan sinful dating or courtship whatever the point is that you're not kind of you're not in that safe zone because you haven't covenanted together whereas once you've once you're married there's a there's just you know obviously everyone's trying their best still but there's a safety that undergirds you in that even when you're just just when they realize what a schmuck you are and you know they're not going to throw you away you know they've seen the worst of you and they and they still love you and there's a there's a great sort of comfort in that in marriage in church 
when you get that true fellowship thing going out, it doesn't it doesn't look obviously sexy. You know? Mm-hmm. Wow, what a cool group. I want to be part of that group. Oh my goodness, someone's phoning me. <laughs> it's dad. Should we bring him in on the conversation? Yeah, dad. Yeah. <laughs> dad, come on. I won't do it. I won't do it. So it's not like, wow, you know, that look at that amazing, cool group. Um, I want to be part of it. But what happens is that you, 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 when you're awkward with that, you fail at the conversation that Sunday. You're, there you are. You're standing with your coffee. You know how it goes. Hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. And you wanted to talk about Jesus. You wanted to bring up the sermon. You just failed. You just straight up failed. Yeah, you you yeah. sounded stupid. You made it even more awkward. It's even worse when you're the pastor and you do this like 10 times in a row, you know? So there's that. And you just, whatever. The, the, there's such a freedom in knowing that it's okay if 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 you've committed to their their awkwardness and their failures and they've committed to yours. And you're willing to do that again and again until one day you don't have to even worry about it because that's how that's how closely knit you are. And I've experienced that genuinely at church. You know, it takes years sometimes. Sometimes it takes weeks. But it, the end point is different from any other kind of friendship that you have because it it sort of supersedes the conversation you're able to have um, by a mutual commitment that you that you um, that you presuppose. Yeah, and you it. don't want to kind of give the impression that. To grow into now, Dad's phoning me. <laughs> you don't Sorry, Dad. To, we're, po- um, we're podcasting, Dad. If you're seeing this yeah, right now, Dad. You, you don't want to give the impression that basically, in order to be a mature Christian, you have to be an extrovert or no. like a natural conversationalist. Like yeah. you can be an introvert and be a mature Christian, but yeah. you do have to just find a way as an introvert mm-hmm. to to you know be part of the church. Yeah. So commit, to commit to going ch- and love the church, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's like you say, any family is like this, you know. Every yes. any family, yes. It, it, the family dynamic is weird. Like you've got you've got family that you get on well with, and then you've got like the weird cousin that nobody really mm-hmm. nobody really gets on with, but they have to be there because they're part of the family. And like you know, everyone's got that that dynamic, and and you know, auntie, auntie. Like we we are used to these sorts of family dynamics, and. um and so when you come into church, you are coming together as a family. And I think that reminding yourself of this, mm-hmm. that you're not coming to like a social club or a, a nightclub, you're not coming into something that's sexy. You're coming into something that's safe. You're coming mm. into family. Mm. You're, you know, and that is a different dynamic. Your expectations are different. And, yeah. you know, like, sure, like, you know, there, there might be some tense moments and awkward moments, but that's all part of normal family life in this, in this life now. But. Yeah, I think what we're saying right now is super important because you're going to have terrible, terrible moments of awesome, glorious church fellowship, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. the thing. You're going to have so many shockingly bad, yeah. like, like yeah. not refreshing, awesome moments of glorious yeah. church, you know, experience and foretaste of heaven <laughs> and that's that's the paradox and if you don't if you're not ready for that if you're not equipped for that theologically if you're expecting something else it's gonna it's gonna be kind of like a like a um a health and wealth prosperity thing in that there you are naming it and claiming it all day long and just getting suffering and trial and then wondering what went wrong with your with your faith i mean you know it's it's that level sometimes i've seen people walk out because they've they're disillusioned with the church but their reason for being disillusioned really stems back to this uh, they, they came into it with false expectations to begin with 
And uh, you know, huge. and that that's so true, not only for the subject, but for everything in the Christian life. I suppose, yeah. Like when you when you read the Bible, you know, the Bible is glorious, but your experience is not always going to be glorious. That's a great. Yeah, when you great, pray, yeah. prayer is a glorious thing, but you're you're invited into the communion of God. Yeah. You know, wow. to communicate in you know to the Godhead and. Um, and yet, that our experience of that is not always glorious. Yeah. You know, when you mm. uh, when you are sharing the gospel with someone else, you are doing a glorious thing. You are literally imparting the word of life to someone. Yet, the experience of that sometimes seems more like the fragrance of death. Like it's yeah. just yeah. <clears throat> the whole thing is about measuring the reality in our experience, and yeah. it's very, very helpful. To kind of, it's almost like you have to put, you know, um, you get those kind of X-ray goggles or whatever, or infrared goggles, and and they kind of give you a different picture of things for a while. Mm. And you have to, you have to keep putting those on as a Christian, saying, I know that this, you know, this gathering of Christians appears very sort of dull and unimpressive and uninspirational, but then you put your Bible reality goggles back on and you look around the room and you see that all of these people around you are going to be glorious saints in heaven one day, are part of God's trophy cabinet for his glory, are going to be your brothers and sisters for all eternity, are going to be purged of all their sin, have are so loved by God the Father that he sent God the Son into the world to die for them. You know, you put those reality changing goggles on and then you suddenly see your brother's and sisters in a different way yeah you know they are precious precious and one day you will stand alongside them mm. in the very presence of god giving praise and worship to god with those brothers and sisters you know standing side you dressed in in the glorious robes of righteousness like yeah. it's just yeah. um but it doesn't look like that no. yeah Walking when you go to the prayer first. meeting yeah. when you go to the bible study when you go to church it doesn't always look like that you know i was yeah. thinking as you were talking i mean Jesus, the King of Kings, uh, yeah. is going through his time of yes. humiliation as a as a peasant from Galilee. Yeah. You know the reason Dawkins bickers so much about Christianity is because look how petty. Who would follow a peasant from Galilee? And um, you know that's it. He was born in a manger, and yet angels proclaimed his his glory. So we've got we've got this thing in in Christianity that that I think is helpful to bring out because I think one of the big you know, talking to my skeptical sort of devil's advocate self, I think one of the things that I would, I, I have actually wrestled with uh, in the past, and um, I'll say in a second what helped me uh, to get out of this, but, um, you know, I think one things we one thing we could often be guilty of is we can go to, let's say, a terrible meeting or, you know, just really have a everything we've been talking about now, not, not the most glorious of times. And we we you know we come out of it and we're thinking okay what was all that about feeling a bit dis disillusioned, and we try and you know and then we'll, then we'll remind ourselves of these things. But then the, the sort of thought that comes back on you is, am I just making excuses for mm -hmm. what is actually just lame at the end of the day? Actually, this thing yeah. just is dying a slow death, you know? Because honestly, that's how it will feel for seasons and years, even. Yeah. And depending on where you are and what fellowship we're talking in, you know, at the end of the day, that's a very real possibility. Now. You know, you you are going to have to wrestle with. Are you just trying to spin this yarn for yourself? Are you trying to theologize your way around a really just brutal situation that you actually just need to take a hard, long look at? Well, I think the thing when you relate it to things like we've been talking about, like you know, 
the incarnation for crying out loud, the humiliation of Christ and as the King of glory, um, the uh, reality of, as you say, prayer, Bible reading, every single component. That What that does is it focuses it, it allows it to... To you to say, well, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna throw this away, I'm throwing it all away. Am I willing to throw it all away though? Um, and typically, I think we're we're able to see that we're not. It, there is a very real purpose in that veil uh, during the the incarnation. And so, there, as the king goes, so goes the the, the church. You know, there is a reason for this time of humility before glory, and um, and so embrace it. And we're not theologizing, unless you're willing to throw everything away. We're not theologizing. This is real. This is really the heart of what it means to be a two-edged sojourner. Amen. Because you're recognizing that you are sojourning through this world, and your experience and the reality are not going to match up. You mm. know, um, <clears throat> But you're sojourning with a view in mind to see or to, to know that one day your experience and the reality will align. Amen. But at the moment we're exiles. This is not, uh, things are not as they are meant to be. We're traveling through, we're waiting, very much waiting for our hopes to be fulfilled. <clears throat> we're talking but, some um, pilgrim theology. I, I, That's what pilgrim theology, man. And uh, do you know what is helpful for me though, is um, that prayer, uh, the two prayers actually in, in Ephesians, mm -hmm. That, uh, that Paul prays, the mm. first prayer in chapter one being that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, right. you know, mm. so that you would know the hope that, to which you've been called and the, the power that raised Christ from the dead. Right. So he's kind of saying, <clears throat> you know, he's just gone on about you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You're redeemed, you're forgiven, you're, you know, elect, you're predestined, like the boom, it's just no punctuation, just, you know, 14 verses of sheer glorious praise yeah and then he prays and he says i really hope that you know that yeah you know and i right. think the, the, the he his it seems like his whole intention with ephesians is to get them to see the invisible reality of what yeah. has been done for them yeah because precisely because you know they're living in ephesus they're surrounded by the temple of artemis they've got all these great big worldly obviously um, glorious symbols sort of, of things, power yeah. Yeah. and glory yeah. Yeah. that overshadow anything that they're experiencing. I don't know, like 12 of them in this little upper room or something like yeah. that. You know, <clears throat> it's, um, it, it's, not, it, it's, it's, it's not impressive. And so Paul is exactly saying, look, I'm praying this for you mm -hmm. so that you would get just how blessed you are. Yeah. And I think that'd be a good prayer for us to pray for ourselves mm -hmm. before you go to church. God, open the eyes of my heart. Mm. Let me know. Let me help me to see, help me to see what I can't see, but also yeah. pray for other people. Pray, you know, pray, pray for your church that they would see it, too. Yeah, especially amen. guys you know who are like struggling with this. Um, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So get your tulip re out, uh huh, and and go through the prayers of Paul. Come on, all right. Now, <laughs> added to that to round this up because I see the time we're getting on there, but um. Uh, it's been a great conversation. Pilgrim theology, hashtag. Uh, one of the things you mentioned, ordinary Michael Horton. He, I know, uh, yeah. draws on this book a lot. Uh, this is uh, Bonhoeffer's book, uh, Life Together. Um, yes. Don't know if you've ever yeah. read it. Yeah. Oh boy, if you haven't read this book, you got to read it, and it really just nails down everything. Don't read Cost of Discipleship. 
read that one. That's right. Yeah, this is this is the better book. I think so as well. <laughs> so much um, better. Oh man. Anyway, let me just yeah. read you a little snippet to give, and it's yeah. along the lines of what we've been saying. Um, but there's more. I mean, I, I'm tempted to read a whole bunch here, but let me just uh, let's give you this one. He um, says, "The more uh, genuine and the deeper our community becomes." The more will everything else between us recede, the more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another holy and for all eternity. That dismisses once and for all every clamorous desire for something more. One who wants more than what Christ has established does not want Christian brotherhood. Oh, there it is. He is looking for some extraordinary social experience, which he has not found elsewhere. He is bringing muddled and impure desires into Christian brotherhood. Just Mm. at this point, Christian brotherhood is threatened most often, at the very start, by the greatest danger of all, the danger of being poisoned at its root, the danger of confusing Christian brotherhood with some wishful idea of religious fellowship of confounding the natural desire of the devout heart for community with the spiritual with the spiritual reality of Christian brotherhood. So he says the number one thing that's going to happen when you come in is in some ways you have to be totally disillusioned. That's like the best thing that could ever happen to you day one because it kills off all that otherwise religious devotion that could really get you into real trouble on this. Um, and then make sure where this real brotherhood lies and where this real fellowship lies. And then, I mean, once you figure that out, and that's really what helped me out so much when I was wrestling through this at certain points, uh, once once that's in place, you know, you're good to go. Bear with one another in love. Enjoy the experience of of true, you know, obvious blessing when it comes, but know that you're moving in this way that um, it's bigger than those things. We have Christ. Amen, brother. Amen. Let's, let's play the jingle, brother. Let's do it. Did we play the jingle to open? I think we did. Did we not? I don't think we did. No, I don't think we did. All right, well, then what I'll do is put that right in front of the video. And if you're wondering why it was right in front of the video, now you have your answer. Now you know. Because you listened to the end, you found out the truth. But we will certainly (laughs) play out well. (laughs) 